Welcome back to the Gentleman's Romantic Book Nook. I am Mac W. Monty, broadcasting to you live from Portland, Oregon. And I am Lucky, up here in the beautiful Pacific Northwest of the Seattle area. We just got done watching what I would call an atrocity. <laughs> it wasn't what I've been experiencing while watching the book. I, and I would say watching because we did just watch the trailer for the CW's The Selection TV show, the failed pilot. Yeah, the unproduced TV show. They had ordered a couple pilots a few years back, and this was the result. Um, if you want to catch up, you can find that on YouTube, just uh, The Selection CW. It's like the first option. Someone thankfully got some footage out of the studio at great risk of their own life and limb uh, in order for us to have this. Um, man, does it miss the mark. It, it it completely switches the personality of Aspen and Maxon. I don't understand. You know, we've talked so many times about the nut shot heard around the castle. And, and this was an emotional moment. They were in the garden. It was a complete misunderstanding. He was looming over her in a mirrored hallway, like creepily coming onto her. I did not like the energy that it was putting forth. In this trailer, she's defending herself, which makes it a very unromantic nut shot. If they find some way to make that romantic, then shame on you, CW. But then also Maxon is coming across as a raging alcoholic, smashing glasses all over and giving outrageous speeches. For my kingdom, I would do anything. It's like, yeah, you seem super fucking charming. All these girls are going to line up to date you. Boy, it really makes it feel like they're trying to twist the story into Aspen being the hero because whoever was creating this TV show was like, it was mis he was misrepresented. <laughs> it was right that he was being all terrible to women. In the trailer, we see Aspen for 2.2 seconds. They like briefly cut away Aspen and it shows a very handsome looking man. Uh, it almost makes me wonder if whoever made the video like intercut themselves into it. Aspen. Yeah. That is a good point to mention. I think you did bring it up before. It is kind of a Frankenstein piece that he was able to find the vault. This is not the official trailer. It is bits and pieces from whatever aired brought out to us so we could at least observe something. Uh, in the wild, as it were. There was a lot of running, a lot more running, a lot of more uh, prisoner feel than I thought I was going to get. You know, from what I've got from this book, America loves being here because of all the great food, the money for her family, <laughs> the distance, quote unquote, from Aspen. Yeah, there's one moment in the trailer where um, I, uh, presumably America, we don't, she's blonde, so it was kind of hard to tell. Uh, they're like, America, run! And I don't remember that moment in the book. It might have been better a book if it had had some more, uh, some drama like that. Do you think that was just them letting her know breakfast was ready? <laughs> there's only one tot left. America, run! <laughs> it's the strawberry one, you tot! <laughs> it's a tot, the tot. They replace her younger sister with an Andy Circus CGI gorilla in the trailer, which I thought was an interesting twist. And the gorilla did cry. You know, they change so many crucial things. You know, we see the gorilla eating a tart and weeping as a, a servant looks it, over. It was a five second long static shot, which was weird for the trailer to see the gorilla just shedding one solitary tear after another. <laughs> Using its knuckles to just drag the tart into its mouth as it signs to its parents, happy Happy food. Good. Uh, I saw one of the signs and it was like, bad gorilla union, CW, no treat animal correctly. No, uh, no, no, Mac, you, you saw that incorrectly. Uh, we oh. love the CW here on GRBN. CW presents the Gentleman's Romantic Book Nook. This week we're reading <laughs> scripts from Riverdale. <laughs> Color me uninterested. What a dry read that would be. This is, oh, okay. So the GRBN presents Riverdale fan cast is not, that's off the table for you. 
No, I'm saying we could do it. It's just going to be very dry. Like, you know how we have all these fun cadences and volume and energy to our voice? It right. We have a lot of like, I, okay, and again, I don't know any characters in Riverdale, so bear with me here. You know, Charlie uh, uh, limps up to Denise and he's like, hey, on a date after the football game? This is like boring, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's murders and stuff, I think. Oh, like teen murders? Like, is it kind of like teen? Wolf? Jughead, I think, is gay. Um, oh, that's it's, it's Archie. It's sexy Archie. Aren't okay, this is this pretty is pretty sexy. We, okay, we need to like take a hard left turn because River. This is this is a this bit would have been funny like three years ago when <laughs> Riverdale first came out. But now we've like we need to completely we need to. We need you want to modernize it? You yeah, modernize it. Yeah. Uh, okay. What's like a super modern hip show what's that like the Gen Z is watching? Coolest show right now. Paw Patrol. <laughs> That's like Gen. Uh, what is the like, whatever comes after the end of the alphabet? Oh, okay. Sorry, Gen hyphen. Unlike the CW, we have now finished the selection by Kira Kess, uh, and we're here with a lot of thoughts. Uh, I feel like the, just right off the top, 80% of the book happens in the last 25% of the book, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of people that are leaving slowly throughout the book, but I mean, the major plot points happen chapter 18, 22, and 25. <laughs> you could basically take four chapters out of the entire book and get the entire story uh, pr- pretty good. Now, I know all of you out there, all of you avid listeners are dying to hear how this book ends. Uh, I found a little bit of a synopsis on the uh, last readings. Again, no bias. This is always a section of our podcast where there is no bias incorporated other than our personal feelings that we You're have entering ourselves. the no spin zone. Oh, I like that. The no spin zone. That's, well, yeah, I lifted that from Fox News, so. Oh, crap. Well. Fighting back at them a little bit. Here are the final moments of the selection by Kira Cass. Our final reading begins with the world history of Ilea, presented via our favorite medium, a history class. Max and America later meet that evening to discuss poverty, keeping things super romantic. This leaves Max and feeling major guilt and privileged as they part for the night. The next evening at dinner, before the weekly report, Maxon announces that there will be a cut to the financial compensation for the selected, leaving many of the women P.O.'d. America's maids gussy her up in a red dress to impress Maxon on TV. Oh, I'm going to stop you there, Lucky. We've already got a little bit. We've already got a lot to unpack in these and just in that brief intro there. um, (laughs) Because you glossed over one fact uh, about America, the country. And uh, there's I had this quote that I had to write down and I need to address. And the, the history of Alea, which is really the history of America and they say that after World War III, the United States' reputation was so damaged that no one wanted to readopt the name. And our character's name is, in fact, America. So uh, there's like a little sort of self-burning there. Do you think she recognized that when she was sitting listening to them? Like, an America, who the hell would call someone that? That name was not fit for country or man. She seems pretty oblivious, I got to say, in every moment that matters. So I assume all of the other women were staring at her, just like, come on, America. And she's sitting there, like, doodling Aspen's caricature or whatever on the side of her notebook. They kind of keep the girls in the dark about the history of the world. Uh, nothing is written down. It is only – it's an oral tradition, the history of Alea is passed down. Um, and it turns out that that has really affected certain people, including Prince Maxon, who didn't realize that his denizens – which were organized by cast numbers, that some of them would be treated more poorly than others. Because when America tells him, oh yeah, I love eating here because my family starves, and sometimes 
you just don't have food. And he's like, what? People in my kingdom starving? I thought the ones had it the same as the twelves. He says from behind his palace walls. <laughs> she couldn't understand him when he said it the first time because his mouth was full of gold laced bacon. <laughs> you don't have gold laced bacon in your house? <laughs> In fact, to get Maxon to understand the concept of hunger, she has him close his eyes. Imagine a beautiful woman who you're in love with, and she's really hungry, but you don't have any food. And then he opens his eyes and he goes, stop it. Is that what it's really like for people? And she's like, yes. What? I shouldn't have to explain hunger to a 30-year-old man. Also, that brings up an interesting point. There are movies and TV. How... There And like, this is assuming this is in our future. So there would have been movies depicting poverty and like people hungry. He would understand the concept of that. I don't understand how he wouldn't think there'd be people in this country that's this way. The year is 2050. The selection is the only way that America finds leadership. Only two film franchises still exist. The Fast and Furious and... The Expendables. Oh, wow. Okay. Older and stronger than ever before. <laughs> This time, I mean, at that point, though, you know, okay, obviously, Sylvester Stallone will never die. Um, Jason He's Statham. He's a head in a jar. Those... Jason Statham yeah. is a robot. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anybody who's young now would then be in the movies as old grizzled men. So you've got Timothy Chalamet. He's in there as an old man. Jackie Chan, younger than before. Okay, somehow. yeah. <laughs> He's been jumping from dimension to dimension, killing his other selves and gaining power along the way. You remember all of Jackie Chan's movies? Well, that one called The Medallion, that one was real. That he was a documentary. It. He uses it to siphon the youth from the other strong men in a cinema. Strong man, Jackie Chan. So after America's maids, Gussie her up nice and fancy, uh, bad bitch Celeste decides to ruin her dress using oh her God. big old cat claws to tear uh, that beautiful piece apart. Um, and in this report is where Maxon does announce his plan, right? He's setting up a food program for casts five and below for free meals around the holiday time, or at least until the funds run out. And once again, proving that he is like the goodest dude in this entire kingdom, like an incredible turn of events. This is the moment, actually, that I'm very happy with where uh, Gavril, the MC for all of the reports, finally calls out the oddity of America's name. And we finally get an explanation. I mean, just like the thing oh, that has disturbed me crazy. Satisfying. And that there's no answer for this online. Like, if you just Google why is she named America, there's no information. So before I got to this, <laughs> I was legitimately thinking it was never going to be explained. Right. I, uh, when I, when I mean, you know, it doesn't justify the other names that give me pause, like Tiny Lee and Anna Farmer and Giuseppe Bucatini. <laughs> Giuseppe, yeah. There are certainly some names that just don't make sense in there, but I'm glad we got America taken off the table. Yeah, and for those of you who, uh, for whatever reason, weren't reading along with us, the reason she's named America is because when she was in the womb, apparently, she fought hard and kicked hard like the country did, which no longer exists. Now that I'm right. saying it out loud, does it that does that make sense? Because they're not allowed to learn about America through books, but she's totally allowed to be named that with no issues from anyone in the hierarchy. Nobody cares. Nobody nobody makes fun of her for it either, which I guess you would think would be a thing if they were so embarrassed by the name that it changed it to Ilea. You would think somebody would pick on America like, ha you're like the weak country we were. You think Celeste would load that into her cannon and shoot it right into her face. <laughs> Just blast her right to hell with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the evening after the report, America and Maxon meet on America's balcony, which seems a little intrusive, uh, in which they uh, share their first kiss. With America finally admitting the possibility of loving feelings. 
something she didn't say before. Yeah, uh, Maxon in that moment says something like, I would choose you. If I thought there was a chance that you were like actually playing this game and wanted to be here, you are the one that I want to be with. And she's like still uncertain. So at, it was kind of a big moment for Maxon. Yeah, was, he finally admits it again. You know, he I think at the very beginning when they first meet each other, he's talking about this. He says it again here. And then later we'll see he'll have another kind of moment of romantic revelation. And it's not their first kiss, not just their first kiss. It's Maxon's first kiss. Other than practicing with the guards. Right. You would assume he's got a couple of guards on hand. You there, what's your name? I need a kissing partner to practice with. Yeah, my name's Jerry. (laughs) What can I do for you, Prince? (laughs) Just close your eyes and think of Ilea. Great, that's easy enough, sure. (laughs) Wait, you're getting close to me? This is getting dangerously close to fan fiction corner now. (laughs) Let's um, (laughs) let's let's veer back into canon. (laughs) I'm a little little warm. Jerry, this is Jerry, Max you, love. Jerry, are you warm? Oh, I'm cool <laughs> as a cucumber. <laughs> Jerry's never around you, Prince. <laughs> Tell me, Jerry, have you ever had a strawberry tart so good it made you weep? You're my strawberry tart, Prince Max. <laughs> <laughs> America walks in. Max, I saw you tugging your... Just slowly <laughs> closes the door. Or twist. She's just quiet and starts watching. <laughs> a guard walks in. You, God, uh, it's not what it seems like. Uh, my name's Aspen, and I think oh, it's God exactly it. what it looked like. <laughs> so after this incredible two kisses that they share, America spends like the next week daydreaming about these kisses and just hanging out with her maids, doing her nasty thing as she's wont to do. However, she does go to the woman's room finally to hang out with Marley, and she finds out that Maxon has been kissing other women. While uh, America's been enjoying her time and she finally feels Yeah, finally. This leads us into some royal visitors coming to the castle, which was kind of a big deal. Uh, The selected are kind of like celebrities at this moment, so they needed to kind of show they can be part of the royal family. America hates it, does barely anything in this section of the book except for hang out with the queen's older sister. Kind of like bond with her and her drunken bitchiness. I I got to say, I like the queen's older sister. I got her. She's like hanging out inside, drinking wine, gossiping about the royals. Mm-hmm. She had some she good fire about her. Lurking in the women's room while looking down on everyone. She should have been the queen. Damn. One step away. And it's we learn a little bit about the queen, that she came from poverty as well. She was, well, not poverty necessarily, but she was a four. Yeah, she was a four. So she certainly wasn't like twos and threes, the top class. So after we get through this garden party, uh, a little bit of time passes and we've come up on a month that these women are in the selection. This is the moment where Marley Tames, one of the front runners and America's best friend, opens up to America about not feeling anything for Maxon, which actually brings them a little bit closer as, you know, America doesn't reveal her secret, but I think she and Marley kind of bond a little bit more. Um, and then this is where things take just the worst twist in this book. Oh my and I started God. getting angry again. Maxon invites America on a cute movie date which I think is going to go great. And they run into that dirty dog, Aspen, who has been drafted into the palace guard. Are you kidding me with this? Like a roach. You cannot get rid of this kid. Fucking step on this guy all over the place. And here he is again. Maxon, he's oblivious of this entire moment. He assigns Aspen to be America's nightly guard rotation, which like a recipe for trouble and a secret America keeps from Aspen because she doesn't deserve him and she's selfish. America even tells Maxon, I know him. He's a boy from the town where I grew up. We've met. And he's like, oh, well, it'd be good to have someone that you know close by. Watch her bedchambers throughout the night. 
I also have to say Maxin probably is oblivious as a person in general. Like America is describing being like shocked in place and there's no way she could keep it together. Just knowing her from this book, there's no way she'd not be able to show that on her face in any sense. <laughs> well, she was looking at Aspen licking her lips aggressively. So oh my God, probably though. She's so fucking thirsty for Aspen for no reason. I had an audible moment when I saw that Aspen showed up again. I went, and just my body deflated into a tube of flesh. I honestly hoped, you know, I knew Aspen was going to be trouble. He was Aspen for trouble. We've talked about it. That's the name of a fucking episode. We never a whole damn episode about it. But (laughs) I thought it was going to be like, he wrote like a love letter that spelled like him. And that was going to throw her off or something because of how obsessed she was. I never assumed he was going to like draft himself in and then kind of stalk her to her room. I was convinced there was going to be a rebel attack and he was going to be a rebel and they would have oh. like a moment in the hall where they both see each other and she like doesn't call the guard on him and lets him get away so that there's like some political intrigue. But um, Mac, you just gave me goosebumps. That's incredible. That's so much better than him being in the palace guard. Reader beware. You're <laughs> in for more Aspen. No! <laughs> so nothing happens between them when they first like see each other, right? Like Aspen's there. It just sucks. She's like annoyed with it or whatever. America spends some time trying to avoid him and pretends to be sick and all that dumb stuff, but is forced out of it because Chris, one of the women who's left has a birthday party in which she dresses in a white wedding dress for her birthday in the strongest power move we've seen in this book. I don't know if that's a power move or a psychopath move (laughs) to wear a wedding dress to your birthday party. Just imagine on the bachelor. It's one of the girl's birthdays. And so they're having a little celebration and everybody's getting dressed up. And the girl whose birthday it is shows up in a wedding dress and veil. That would be people would be calling her a psycho. <laughs> the guy would send her home. He would give her a rose. No, he wouldn't give her a rose. I don't know how the bachelor. I'm works. pretty sure roses mean you stay. He gives her the thorns with the rose head cut off. Holy shit. Because if he doesn't, she's going to end up cutting his face off and wearing it. So while they're at this um, birthday party, Celeste, bad bitch Celeste, steps up into the spotlight again and um, accidentally spills her drink all over this white wedding dress. Oh uh, and this this leads America to the decision to cancel Celeste. It's finally time to get this bee out of this palace. So I have some apologies to make uh, for some of the things I said about Celeste. Because oh. I was really defending her in the last few episodes. Because I think, I, in fact, one episode I said, what has she actually done? Like, maybe she said some things. We don't really know. Oh, man. These chapters really set her in as, like, an unbearable person. Because she, when she rips, she, like, tries to trade dresses with America. Like, you look hot. Give me that dress. And is already pulling off her own clothes. And when America just is like, uh, I don't, I, I can't get naked right now. I can't give you my dress. She rips that thing off, rips off the sleeve, uh, which America then turns into a very nice sleeveless dress. Uh, And I just, I have to apologize to readers all over the world um, and to Kira Cass. I'm so sorry I underestimated you. That was really big of you, you know. I still, I'm not totally against Celeste. She obviously has. I still want her to be the queen um, because I want someone who will (laughs) rip. I want a queen that will rip the dress off of poverty and will spill wine on inadequacy in the bedroom. Okay. It's It's a long walk for a short drink of water, but I think I'm with you. So after America makes this decision, right, to get rid of Celeste and her terribleness, uh, America and Maxon meet in the garden where America's trying to warn him about how bad she is and the nasty stuff she's done. Maxon actually takes this a very negative way and gets very upset with America, thinking she's being a little sneaky selection cheater. 
And obviously America takes that completely wrong, not understanding his point and makes it really personal, which leads us into her going into her bedroom and having Aspen smell her hair as she tries to get into her own room. Your hair smells like cookies. Oh, there's a <laughs> cookie in your hair. <laughs> Wait a minute. No, no, no. I'm so hungry still. <laughs> it's funny because after Celeste rips America's dress, that's like a kill switch to get Celeste out of the game. She could tell Maxon the king. She could tell any guard and Celeste would be gone in a heartbeat. But she waits until the least opportune moment to bring that up in the argument with with Maxon. Oh, yeah. And it totally sets him off like, you know. She has to understand, too, that there's going to be people who are bad-mouthing. I mean, this is something we didn't mention, but there was a girl, Janelle, earlier in this reading who was bad-mouthing America to Maxon, and he gave her the stinky boot. He got her right out of there. But America has a deal with Maxon to tell him about the other girls. That is hmm. her, like, job, if you will, if she has one. That's a really good point. I did forget they specifically mentioned she's going to be the person on the inside. And, I mean, that's her doing her job. Which sort of, I, we needed that fabricated drama so that she has a reason to, like, run into Aspen's arms. So, like, story-wise, it makes sense why they had to get there, but I don't really like how they got there. It yeah. was a short walk for a tall glass of tea, or whatever okay. you said. <laughs> you were close. <laughs> <laughs> it was a quick hopscotch for a shot of rum. It was a little scooter ride for a teeny margarita. Ooh, that actually sounds like a wonderful weekend. Mm-hmm. So after Aspen uh, sniffs her hair just as she's trying to get into her room, he does force his way in there and kind of emotionally manipulate her into continuing a treacherous affair. I mean, this is this I will say I am very much putting my own opinion on because he convinces her that this woman she saw him with tripped into his arms and that she had completely misconstrued the situation after he definitely dumped her in a treehouse and how like. She needs to be with him and how this is right and all this kind of like terrible shitty stuff. Yeah, she doesn't even really like 100% want to be making out with him. She like there's a line in the book. I didn't write it down because I was a little disturbed. But she says something like the parts of me that wanted this outweighed the parts of me that didn't want it. And that's not like the ideal situation to go into a makeout session slash uh, heavy petting. <laughs> a little dry, dry humping. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no that was actually the original um title of this show dry humping with lucky and mac you bring up a great point though you know he, he this is something she's thinking she does out loud say no to him when he comes into her room as a guard like it is very clearly stated in the beginning of the book like she will die if she is found having any relations with anyone in the castle it is treason she will get murdered aspen knows this too and he just kind of comes in, like, as a guard, knowing that there's going to be random guards oh. coming around. It's selfish. It's manipulative. So she says romantic. No. Oh, my Mac. <laughs> Lucky. Mac, you young adult. Oh. <laughs> He's willing. They're willing to die to be with each other. It's like Tristan and Isolde, which I've never read. I don't even know what you're referencing, and it makes me angry. <laughs> Ch Chaucer? Surely. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I, I remember Chaucer from A Knight's Tale, but other than that, I'm not really sure who you're referencing. Oh, A Knight's Tale. <laughs> he was willing to lie about being nobility to be with her. So after Aspen sneaks into America's room and is terrible, the next morning America does admit to herself that she done did a treason and is potentially a bad person, which, you know, I got to give it to America. I've been back and forth on her. At least she realizes she is doing bad stuff here. So she fakes sick so she can think about Aspen more. And I've immediately, again, lost respect. Aspen then comes back the very next day 
which is just buck wild to me. And he's apologizing to her and begging for her to take him back, like this classic Aspen move, which is just ridiculous. And she, you know, she kind of pushes him off, doesn't give him a committed answer, but I don't know. He's just ridiculous. Then, in the middle of the night that next evening, a group of Southern rebels attack, forcing the selection into a hidden bunker underneath the palace. The selection is a terrible crime, I do declare. (laughs) The Southerners, but they're riding their KFC-striped horses and having their big white mustaches. They uh, they bust into the, <laughs> the palace and uh, force everyone to flee into an underground bunker. Sweet tea for everyone. <laughs> As they're hurling mashed potato bowls against the walls, uh, Aspen is in the bunker with everybody else. Obviously, he keeps making his way around the damn palace. He keeps like being kind of a wing and like looking at America and trying to get her attention. Maxon over here being a calm, cool, collected prince, keeping everyone calm in the bunker, making sure everything's going great. Again, setting America to pine for this amazing dude. America is like emotionally in a rough spot for this, but she does remember to like look out for other people in this bit. So she's sort of she's kind of being kind of a bad person between these two boys. But she like rescues her maids and is like, you guys don't like go to the crappy cardboard box where they keep the slaves during this rebel attack. She brings them down with her into the bunker. And I think she does deserve some points for that. I rag on America a lot, but I give her props when she earns it. And this time she like earned it for me by like saving these other people. The maids really came through in this book. I really enjoyed all three of them and they really developed as characters as time went on and close confidants of America. Yeah. Good on her for saving them. So the morning after the rebel attack, four of the women decide to go home out of fear for their lives, which, you know, all right, no problem. People were dying. Pretty good. After they have some delicious breakfast, Maxon announces that he's actually going to be cutting the selected down to the elite six to keep the women safe and to not waste anybody's time if they're earning the loving feelings. Another upstanding move by Maxon, but pretty flippin' harsh where some of these women are depending on some of that money coming in. Yeah. America, of course, makes this elite six and uh, sneakily arranges to speak with both Maxon and Aspen that evening after. Maybe she's trying to set something up. The uh, the Elite Six was an interesting spread because I think the three that we expected, you know, Marley, Celeste, America, they all made it. The other three that came through, um, I did not find their last names. It was Chris, Natalie, and Elise. Three we haven't really touched on too much. Only Chris we've heard about a little bit. I know that America's talked with Chris and she had that wedding dress fiasco birthday party. But right. I don't remember anything from Nat- Natalie or Elise. Let's name them. So it's probably like Natalie Programmer. Okay, Elise is, has relatives in New Asia. That's an important fact for her. Natalie is charming and a favorite of the royal family, and so is Chris. Okay, I'm going to say Natalie Programmer, Chris Pine. Chris Pine is there. Um, no relation. <laughs> Elise Navidad. Long haul trucker. Oh, I like yours better. <laughs> Yeah, we've been sort of seeing girls trickle out of the selection. I think the most we've seen sent home before at one go is like six or seven. And then before he cuts it down to the elite, there's like over 20 girls. He sends like 19 people home in one fell swoop. We don't even learn all of the girls' names, I don't think, in this. Not that I was noticing. I was trying to write down everybody's name as we went, and I don't think we we caught everybody's name for sure. I mean, that would have been a lot to kind of make backstories for, what, 25, 26 people? And I think with six girls left, it's going to be a lot harder for America to, like, go behind Maxon's back and see Aspen, which makes it all the more, like, ridiculous when they actually do meet up again here at the end of the book. 
Yeah, that kind of brings us into the final little bits, right? This is where America tries to come into her own. So she first meets with Maxon out on her balcony where they share their loving kiss. And Maxon, again, admits his feelings for her, like opening up and saying like, look, we're kind of down to it now. If it was you, I would have finished this a long time ago. Uh, and she says that she doesn't love <laughs> this, him currently. This wouldn't have to be a trilogy, America. This could just be a one standalone <laughs> book if you would just get your act together. Seriously, it's obviously going to happen. Let's just do this thing. How many uh, books is she, this going to take? <laughs> she tells him that she doesn't love him. Like, she's very honest with him. But she says that they're more than friends. Like, they're definitely not just in that zone. And then they kiss again, which I'm like, maybe you should have just, like, hugged at this moment. <laughs> but uh, because she, I mean, she's still planning on seeing Aspen, like, that night in her bedroom. Uh, which leads us into that moment where um, America actually confronts Aspen and tells him she doesn't want to sneak around with him anymore. She finally puts her foot down with his fucking Lothario. Hell yeah. She 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 lets him know that she wants to give Max a chance and that she literally tells him that Aspen, this is all your fault. And I love that. Oh, thank goodness. She finally said it, because if she had just kept sneaking around with him, it would be an unbearable Ugh, to end the book like that. So anyway, Aspen, like a real fucking creep, doesn't give up and is empowered by the fact that she doesn't want him. And like a big doofus, she's super charmed by that. And uh, yeah. that's like how the book ends. That's it. Uh, just that's it. That's right, it. There's right no there. like there's no epilogue or anything to lead into the next day. It's just like she's ready to go now. I guess give it a shot and see what happens. Uh, there is an interesting fact after the story ends. It's not about the world of the book, but it's about Kiracast. Uh, in her bio, which is uh, it's very fun and it's kind of a cute bio at the end. She literally says Kira has kissed approximately 14 boys in her life and none of them were princes. <laughs> is so she sure, though? Is she sure none of them are princes? Because you never know if there's a sneaky prince around. Maybe afterwards they became princes or were chosen to be part of some erudite contest between them and 30s, mm. uh, four odd other dudes. Drew the golden sword out of the stone. Slay the dragon. Gotcha, gotcha. Got it, got it. Slaying the dragon. Uh, because this book is the first in a series and we aren't really a series show, we uh, are actually going to look ahead a little bit in a brand new segment called grbn in the future so as i mentioned before uh there are five books in this series however we're going to quickly five read, yeah there's five total we're going to quickly Jesus. read the cliff notes for books the elite and the one because based off of the titles that's going to finish up the selection we've been dealing with now so what we're going to do is uh we're going to be back with you in just a second i'm going to play a little bit of interstitial music as like a maybe like a quick potty break for you if you'd like we're going to come back with our fresh opinions. About Hold it if you can. Yes. I mean, this break will be maybe like five seconds of music. But if you haven't already pissed yourself laughing in this episode. Yeah, I guess you could could grab your adult break. diaper, grab your shiwi and settle in because we're going to get back with uh, the review of the elite and the one <laughs> in a quick recap. All right. <laughs> Talk to you in a second. How, how incontinent is our audience? Was that your initial reaction? <laughs> oh my god. The stuff that happens in these next two books. That was insane. That was monumental. I feel like we just scratched the surface of the iceberg. I mean, there's a lot we have to fill our listeners into because you yeah. know, if they're not going to okay. read the first one, they're certainly not going to read the next two. Halloween exists in this Most world. important. Most That's... important thing right off the bat. <laughs> At the top of the elite, 
Um, Maxon throws America a Halloween party, which is the best way to start a book I think I could think of. That it makes me disappointed we didn't start with this book. However, how could we possibly have known? So a spooky start to the book, and then shit jumps off the rails. I mean, it's it's all over the map here, right? Like we see there's a uh, uh, shit a book that Gregory Alea had kept that his diary, the reason why he was able to make a democracy become a fucking uh, monarchy and have a king again. Like we see jealousy. We see Celeste become a good person. Like Marley gets whipped for having <gasps> sex with one of the guards and turned into a lower cast. Oh, my Marley becomes an eight and Maxon saves her to a six. But oh, Marley gets whipped 15 times. Maxon gets whipped by his own father. We find out there's a debate as part of the selection for some reason. Yeah, they debate. Uh, the king hates America and America's trying to like destroy the caste system. America's dad was a northern rebel. And also, Chris, the other selected person, is a Northern Rebel as well. well. Yeah, yeah, it comes down to the Elite 2, surprising twist, Chris and America. Didn't see that one coming, thought it was going to be Celeste. Maxon gets whipped for, like, trying to dissolve the caste system or, like, planning to. Oh, it is terrible. It's so crazy. The rebels keep attacking, and then the king and queen die, and then Maxon is the king. Aspen sees Maxon and, Amer- Max and America getting nasty. So it does happen. They do do the do. Yes, America finally tops on a good foot and does the bad thing. With the good king. With the good good king. (laughs) And then I guess Aspen dies? It didn't really say anything, but that's okay. It doesn't say precisely. Uh, At the end of the last book, so this has been a bullet fast summary of the last two books in the series, but apparently at the end of the one... King and queen are gone. Max and his king, America, is proposed to, and they resolve to dissolve the caste system. However, I know that one thing I know about the series moving forward is that they do have a kid together, and that child does have a selection. The daughter has a selection with a bunch of boys. So the caste system is gone, but the ridiculous Bachelor-esque Hunger Games game still exists. That's interesting. Yeah, because it doesn't. They didn't dissolve the monarchy. (laughs) They no, no. The caste system. No, no, yeah, no. Like, still king and queen, still going to be royalty not, and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's not a, America's it's a, not a democracy. No, America's no, no. still a princess. She fought hard for that crown. <laughs> Just the caste system will be gone. Uh, but then that's people will still be married by an erudite competition. I got to say, you know, obviously we knew that she was going to win in the end. There were a lot of twists and turns to get us there. I'm glad that we a were lot. able to bomb through, bomb through the end and just kind of see like the craziness because I feel fulfilled now. I was left so wanting. I was left with blue balls, you know, as usual with these damn books. And I got to say that that really fulfilled me. So now that we finished the first book, we kind of know what happens at the end. Mac, what do you think? Uh, how does this rate for you on a, on a compared to our last books? Just what was your rating for this book? I think that it's the most romantic book we've read. And it has the most concise story of any book that we've read, uh, considering that our last book was about a pervert falling in love with a shell baby mm-hmm. and then a woman falling in love with a bear. Mm-hmm. Having a woman named America fall in love with the prince. Uh, pff, that sounds great to me. That's very that's much more similar to the you know romantic loves that I've experienced in my life. You've never fallen in love with an inanimate object. <laughs> Weirdo. <laughs> uh, but no, I'd give it 35 women out of a potential 37. Wow. Incredible. What an incredible rating. What about you? Lucky final thoughts on the selection? I'm going to give it an eight for Nutshot. I'm going to give it six for food. And overall, probably a 13 for love, story, and romance. Zero for sex. Zero for sex. 
So there's know, some dry humping in there. So I'd give it a 0.5 for sex to put right. my, my total score up to 34 and a half out of 37. Okay. Right on, right on. And that puts my total score at, I don't know, like 21, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a math guy. For a cumulative 50 something. And this book gets a 50 something. Um, thank you so much, Kara Cass, for what you provided to us. If you like what you hear and you like what we're doing out here, uh, the best way to support us is to share this show with a friend. You can uh, find our links at uh, grbooknook.com. That's where to go to get our new episodes. You can find a little bit about us, um, all the cool reviews we've been getting and whatnot. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. If you want to share something about the show, use that hashtag grbooknook. Really, if you like the show, the best thing you can do is tell your friends and family, lovers, uh, selected your king, queen, depending on where you live. Concubine. Uh, tell them about the show because we don't advertise in uh, any way. So word of mouth is a big point of it. And if you uh, happen to hop onto iTunes and see our show, feel free to leave a review. Um, we got a really nice one and it uh, kind of made my day the other day. Yeah, you know, you hear this from all the different podcasts you listen to, but honestly, uh, reviews on iTunes are the best way to get our name out there and for other people to listen to us. So we really appreciate that. Uh, leading into the October season, Mac, do you... Uh, do any of the listeners like maybe a little tease about what kind of book we're going to be reading next? Spooky book. It could have a ghost having sex with a woman. That's right, folks. We're coming into our favorite time of year. It is going to be the Halloween season. We're going to be picking a spooky romance book. Um, who knows what it'll be? A ghost on woman, woman on vampire, vampire on werewolf with woman watching. Who knows? The world is our oyster, but we're going to find something great for you. Um, we're going to find something great for us as well. So our next episode is going to be coming out on September 25th. That will be uh, the first episode of our oh, spooktacular <laughs> scream Tobas right around the corner. <laughs> I think we're both very excited for the Halloween book because uh, I don't know the idea of having like a romance book set at Christmas time. That's fun and interesting romance book around Valentine's Day holidays, but like a romance sp- spooky book that intrigues me a lot like how do you incorporate horror with romance in a way that um isn't twilight exactly we're not gonna be reading the script of ghost over here right we're gonna find something that is a little scary is a little sexy ghost so romantic no oh whoopi goldberg whoopi goldberg i think you mean whoopi if you're out there send us the script for ghost 2 oh shit actually if you are out there we would absolutely read and review that. So Whoopi Goldberg, we know you listen. I'm uh, sorry, Whoopi Goolberg. Uh, you... <laughs> Spooky Goolberg, if you're out there. Spooky Goolberg, if you're out there. Sc- uh, hang on. <laughs> There's more. Spooky Goolberg. Spooky Goolbat, if you're out there. <laughs> please send us a script to Ghost 2. <laughs> ghosts. <laughs> to Ghost 2, Ghosts. <laughs> G2, the sequel to Ghosts. Uh, thank you to True Messiah. Uh, wait a minute. That's the song. <laughs> <laughs> DJ Freedom for your song, True Messiah. You've really carried us in and out of the selection. Um, to finish off the book. <laughs> Spook up everyone's name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Prince Batson. <laughs> uh, 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 America Screamer. <laughs> Ooh, that was good. <laughs> Uh, uh, C- hmm. Celeste Gruesome. Damn, dude, you are on a fucking train right now. I love Halloween. <laughs> Hello. <laughs>